What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Great appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. If you do not follow me on Instagram, please give me a follow at English Encore Podcast. We will be doing an NBA podcast and March Madness episode for today's show. I'll be joined by my co-host, Zach Hamill, here in just one second. Just want to say how much I greatly appreciate all the support from everyone over the past couple years with this podcast. And I look forward to continuing bringing you all great content for the foreseeable future. And I will be back again with another show on Monday, so tomorrow I'll be recording a Bills and Sabres episode. Hopefully, we'll be getting a 42 North 78 West show that we recorded the other day posted here in the next few days as well as a longer show. So, taking a little bit of time to get that done. But without further ado, here is me and Zach to talk some NBA and NCAA hoops. Welcome back to another English Encore episode. I'm joined by my co host Zach Hamill for another. NBA podcast with some NCAA March Madness tournament talk at the end of today's episode. Zach, how we doing? Good, man. Gearing up for Selection Sunday. Ready, ready to roll? Yeah, it's, you know, I think March is always my, I think March is my favorite month of the year from a sporting perspective, just because you have March Madness going on, you have the NBA going on, you know, NHL is going on, spring training starting up, you have NFL free agency, the whole month is just crazy with sports. Um, so it's just a really exciting time, and it's great to have uh, the tournament back once again after last year's weird absence. Um, but let's start with some NBA stuff before we get to, you know, some March Madness stuff at the end. Uh, let's kind of start with just the general rumors that have been going around. You know, the trade deadline is going to be coming up. Victor Oladipo, Andre Drummond. Uh, Lonzo Ball, Harrison Barnes, just a few names. Uh, what name, whether it's in the buyout or trade market, intrigues you the most, and where do you think a perfect fit for that player would potentially be? I don't think there's going to be the fun one this year. I think maybe Harden that was the big trade already, um, unless maybe it's Kevin Love, but I haven't, that's really quieted down, I think, don't you think? And then um, P.J. Tucker, I think, is a guy that will actually help a team that's like close. So I think that'll be the one that I don't know if it's going to swing a series or anything, but it'll, it'll really like solidify someone's backup rotation. Like if, if he was to Philly or Milwaukee, I think that's the place where he could fit really well. And then it just gives them one more guy who's playoff experience who guards and who can like switch between three different positions and, you know, maybe run their backup unit as a five or start as a four or wherever you want to stick him. Yeah, P.J. Tucker is a really interesting name. I think uh, Philadelphia would be a good fit, especially now with Embiid being out for two to three weeks. I think he avoided a major injury scare when I first saw the replay. I thought for sure that was going to potentially be an ACL or PCL, but luckily it looks like just kind of a severe um, sprain, but he'll be out for a little bit. So Tucker can definitely help in that role. I think LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, it's super interesting. It's now reported that he and San Antonio are basically done. San Antonio is kind of gauging the trade market for him, and if not, it seems like a buyout is imminent. Um, 
I think a return to Portland could be interesting just based on, you know, Nurkic and Collins' health. Um, I think he'd kind of be an instant plug and play. Miami is another interesting team that's been floated around. They kind of missed out on the Blake Griffin um, signing when he decided to go with Brooklyn. Um, they've been playing really well. They've won nine out of their last 10, but they could still definitely use another front court player along with uh, Bam and Kelly just to kind of solidify uh, the front court a little bit more. And I think he would fit in nicely. Um, even a team like the Hornets, I think, could be a little bit interesting for us, not necessarily for Aldridge, but just in the trade market um, in general, just because they're kind of them. And the Knicks are right at that seven, eight mark. And I think that if they make one major move in the front court, that could kind of, you know, put them over the top to at least make sure that they ensure a playoff spot this year. Yeah, I, I didn't think of Aldridge to the Knicks until right now, but that um, that would really work. I know that um, Nerlens Noel has been way better than I expected him to be, and Robinson's been out, so um, that may maybe be a good fit. And then Celtics have that huge trade exception from Gordon Hayward leaving, and and they can't just like carry it over to next year. It goes away if they don't use it. So they, they're they the team in the NBA that can actually take on like a huge salary without having to, you know, cut somebody or trade salary back. Yeah, for sure. And then Blake Griffin was obviously the big news over the past week or so. He gets bought out by the uh, Pistons. You know, they mutually agree to part ways. He kind of has a lot of people trying to get him. You know, Miami, the Clippers, Lakers were all in the mix, but ultimately he decides to reunite with DeAndre Jordan and a few other friends in Brooklyn. What do you think his role is for Brooklyn? Do you think he starts right away, or do you think he's kind of just going to be a useful guy off the bench that's going to probably come in and try to give them 10, 12 points and 8 to 10 rebounds every game? I think it's the latter. I think I do think he'll be a little bit better than he was in Detroit. I think that was a lot of, like, his spirit kind of dying there. But I also don't think that he's anywhere near the old Blake. He's not going to come out firing lobs anymore. Like some people were joking around about seeing him do. Um, Jeff Green's been really good. And he makes three, he makes his threes at a higher rate than Blake does. And when you're surrounded by the guys that they have, you know, they really want somebody, I think, who can space the floor. And then, you know, Nick Claxton has been really good too at protecting the rim and playing defense. So I think Blake is going to be just a role player. And that's really all they need him to be. Yeah, and I think the other thing that Blake signing there helps them do, especially later in the playoffs, if they go up, you know, against a Boston or a Miami, where sometimes they tend to run a little bit of a smaller lineup. I mean, I know Bam and them are in there, but, you know, they're not as big as like an Embiid. Like, as far as stature goes, I think Griffin will replace DeAndre Jordan kind of in that role, especially from a free throw shooting perspective down the late stretch of games. But, like you said, Jeff Green and Claxton have both been really good. Um, I think Joe Harris is always kind of forgotten about every single time the Nets pick up someone else. I think he kind of gets forgotten. He's been really good for them this year, I think, too, and he's kind of gone under the radar. But I think, if anything, this just, you know, amplifies what we've been talking about as far as the Nets. And unless injuries hit, I think they're pretty much the front runners for uh, the East. I know if, if Philadelphia gets healthy with Embiid, um, I think they're probably the number two threat. And like I said, Miami, finally for me, they finally have come around. They've been just absolutely on a roll lately. And I still think that that's a team that we've kind of talked about that no one wants to see when come playoff time. Yeah. And um, the really fun wrinkle that the Nets have been doing that have been killing teams is they actually throw Bruce Brown at the five with, and then there'll be the, their big four of Kyrie Harden, Durant and, um, and Harris. 
And so I don't think, you know, unless they play somebody who's just killing them on the inside, they can beat or something like that. I just don't see the need for them to to force Blake in there. Yeah, for sure. And when we were texting back and forth the other day, you know, preparing for the podcast, you had brought up a unique point that someone brought up to you, but talking about John Morant, LaMelo Ball, and Trey Young, and which player, you know, you would take right now. So I'm going to kind of let you get started with this one um, as far as between those three. What player of those three would you want, you know, for the long term going forward? Uh, Okay, so I think with the root of the the thing that I saw was is that there's some recency bias going on and LaMelo being as fun as he is. But I think people are confusing what he is versus his expectations instead of how good he actually is. Um, I think you still – Trey Young is the most, like, flashy highlight guy of the three, but he's actually the last one I would take just because I think Atlanta's had, had you know, not world-beating talent, but talent the whole time that he's been there, and it just has not shown wins yet. Um, they won a few in a row, but a couple of them were fluky. You know, I just – I don't believe in Atlanta night to night. Um, Charlotte – I think has a better roster than we thought. And, and I was down on the mellow ball going into the year. And I think that a lot of that to do is just, you know, his dad and um, the numbers not being crazy down in Australia or New Zealand, wherever it was. And, but I, I'm, I think this one, you know, I saw a lot of people bringing up each, I saw people taking each three of these guys when I saw people discussing this argument and I don't know how you don't go with Brandt. Um, You know, Memphis is a bunch of role players. They've done a really good job making a deep roster of like no players suck on the team. If you know what I mean? But there's really nobody there. That's um, that you're scared of that you have to prep for besides Morant because Jackson's been out all year. And you got to remember last year they were in the playoffs and lost the play into Portland in the Western conference. You know, the other two guys played in the East, which is not even close as far as talent goes night to night. And um, I just think Morant's a killer. I think if he played in a different city, you know, I think he'd be an all-star already. Yeah, I think it's an absolute no-brainer that I would take John Morant over both of them. I think, honestly, the bigger question is who goes second. And I actually think I'm with you as far as I think I would take LaMelo Ball for long-term over Trey Young. I know Trey Young, of the three, I think is definitely the best shooter. I think LaMelo's probably the best passer. And then John Morant's just like the best overall skilled player and I think he's probably the best defensively as well um I just think LaMelo has such good length and his passing ability I think he's only going to get better as a scorer other than Trey Young just bombing away threes like you said like he's had talent around him whether it's been Collins and Capella this year Gallinari they've drafted some nice pieces and Herder Cam Reddish um you know they had I want to say they had either Lynn or Jeremy T or Jeff Teague there just to kind of be a mentor to him too. And now he has Rondo as well. So it's not like they haven't tried to put good pieces around Trey Young, but like you said, he just hasn't done really anything compared to a Charlotte roster, but outside of Gordon Hayward, who's been dealing with injury issues, you know, it's a bunch of, you know, below average starters or good bench pieces on that team. And they've found a way to, you know, be a playoff team right now. And a big part of that is LaMelo. Yeah, he the, – the shot coming in, the numbers weren't good, and it looks weird. He's got, like, a little hitch to it, but it's been falling. He's hitting him at, like, 40%. And if, if that stays – we have to wait and see on that. But if it stays up there, then I think you ha- I think you got to take him over Trey. Trey – I mean, Trey is does some crazy things on the court, but his size is always going to bother him if he's not going to try at all on defense. For sure. And I was actually looking at it. 
um, earlier today as far as just the East and Western Conference standings. And if they stayed where they are today, we would be having some absolutely insane first-round matchups. You'd have the Knicks versus the Nets. You'd have Heat Celtics. You'd have a rematch of the West Finals last year between the Lakers and the Nuggets. Um, just really good quality matchups all the way around. Um, kind of transitioning just to general NBA talk. Um, I know I've mentioned Miami a few times already. They've been playing really well. Um, are there any other teams that have kind of stuck out to you, you know, a little bit before All-Star break and now kind of a few games um, back into it that have been really good or really bad that you've been surprised by? Um, Phoenix lost last night, but they've been rolling. We've, we've talked about them a little bit. I'd like to bring up Memphis. I know we just – we just good, good transition from the job argument, actually, because they um, just keep winning games. And, you know, they do it. They play, like, 12 guys. Um, you know, some nights it's Valanciunas. Some nights it's Dylan Brooks. Um, I like I like, really like the coach, how adaptable he is. And I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is really, really good. So, if they get him back for the, for the final stretch here, um, they're just kind of here faster than I thought they'd be. I thought it, in the Western Conference, like we said, I think – I thought it would take, you know, four or five years for him to really establish himself as, like, they're not a power, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, they're going to be a drag-out uh, series, and they're going to be in the playoffs, I think. I don't think they're going to fall out. Yeah, I agree. I think they've been better than I expected, especially when Morant went out early um, with the injury, and, like, we've talked about Jaron Jackson not being there. Um, one team I kind of want to transition to in the Eastern Conference that I've been severely disappointed by has been – the Raptors, like they've just been super underwhelming. They like the Raptors. I feel like the past few years were known for how good of defense they play between when they had Kawhi and Siakam and Van Vliet and Lowry and all those guys. I feel like they've kind of lacked in that category. Um, they're having trouble scoring the ball. Kyle Lowry doesn't look nearly as engaged. I mean, he's been, his name's kind of been thrown around the trade rumors as well. I think you and I have both agreed that Pascal Siakam had one good year, but like ever since the playoffs last year, he's just been a shell of himself. Um, people were ready to declare him like the next top five power forward in the game, and he's been nothing close to that. And I think everyone needs to pump the brakes a little bit on Nick Nurse too. I think Nick Nurse is a great coach, but you know, I think everyone praised him for how well they did last year after Kawhi left. But I mean, they pretty much brought back the same team I mean no they lost a few a few key vets in Gasol and Ibaka but you know they replaced them with some younger guys and they're just not getting it done yeah I think you know after that finals they they lose Kawhi they probably saw that coming right um and I think they had an internal talk that was like you know Siakam could be the guy that steps up and it becomes a star for this team we don't have to really make another move and it just hasn't panned out um you know there's some nights he, he puts up you know 30 and nine but so does a million guys in the league. You got to do it night to night for people to really fear you and really scheme for you. And I just don't think, you know, he's, if he's going to be your third guy, you're, you're okay. If he's going to have to be your first, you know, you're in real trouble. Like they paid Van Vliet a lot of money. He earned it, but you know, he's a five eleven shooting guard. Um, if him and Lowry aren't like busting their ass on defense, it's really hard for them to keep up with guys in the league, especially at their size. Yeah, I completely agree, and I just think they're another team that'll be interesting at the deadline of what they want to do because the East is kind of weird because, you know, all the way six through, I want to say even 10 right now where the Bulls, I believe, are slotted at, it's really only a two- to three-game 
swing. You know, Chicago has had to charge a zero. They've been playing really good. Zach Levine's obviously been outstanding all year. Kobe White's played really well. It's just really their front court that's been giving them issues. Um, I think Sacramento is a team we talked about a little bit too that we thought could maybe be in the playoffs. They're kind of been struggling a little bit as of late. What about Golden State, though? Like, they – I think they were really good right after the start of the year. They kind of started off bad, and they were right in that 5-8 to eight slot. But they've kind of fallen off late, and they got the bricks kicked out of them the other day. I think it might have been yesterday. Um, they just got absolutely run over, and Curry did not look too thrilled on the bench. Yeah, they they just have such um, feast or famine guys in that team, like Oubre and, and Wiggins. Um, kind of like the Siakam thing, you know, they might not be in the same uh, category as him talent wise, but you know, some you turn on one night and Oubre is zero for ten, you know, and the next night he's going to be nine for ten. It's just tough to count on. Um, you know, they really, I mean, it's just you, you lose a guy like Clay. We probably should have just expected them their season to be really bad, and and like you said, when Dre came back, you know, he's putting up some like twenty assist games, and they were they're looking like themselves again, but. It's just really hard, I think, for them to recalibrate everything without like an all NBA guy like that and a guy who can shoot the lights out like that. Um, I, I've seen guys talk about them making a big move. Like, I don't know, they could put a package because they have that Minnesota pick, which is really nice, and they have Wiseman. But I don't know who it's for. You know, I, I, does Bradley Beal make sense there? I don't think so. You're going to get Clay back next year. How about a hypothetical here? Would you give up a package surrounding Ubre? in Wiggins for a player like Victor Oladipo? I don't know. I don't think he, I don't think he moves the needle that much for you, do you? No, I just I just like you said, I think they need to get more consistency and I just don't know what it is. Also, side note, LSU just missed a shot at the buzzer, so Alabama won by one point. But um yeah, I just don't know. Like, I think Steph with Draymond there and Wiseman's ability, I think they can be a playoff team. It's just like you said, with Ubre and Wiggins being so up and down, it's like kind of hard to imagine them being able to put game, enough games together. It almost makes you wonder would you even be willing to go and find or trade for a veteran player like bring back a Harrison Barnes? Would that help them more? From a consistency standpoint, I think for them, I, I the internal discussions I think have to be how much do we think Wiseman's going to make it, you know, and I don't think that Ubre and Wiggins really factor into the into the long term plans. So, like you're talking about, maybe like upgrading it by a hair. I think if they really think that Wiseman can be like a real player in this league, and it seems like they do, he shows he shows real flashes. Like his jumper looks smooth. And he can fly, and he gets up and down the court well. They haven't really had that type of big man with Steph as like a rim runner. That's exciting, I think. So, um, I don't know. It's like, is Clay ever going to play eighty-two games again? I don't know. But if they, if next year they can run out Steph, uh, Clay, Dre, and Wiseman, then you don't really need it. like Ubre was kind of just a stay over, right? Because Clay got hurt. They did it the next day. So as long as they can find one of those two guys to step into that three spot. I'm not sure it's worth giving up an asset to make it Harrison Barnes instead of one of those two. Yeah, and just to stroke my own ego a little bit, talk to me. Talk to me what you're seeing from the Miami Heat. What are you liking? Um, they just got their guys back. Um, I think like I've, I've we've talked about Dragic. I think he's just so underrated in what he and like 
especially for what Spo wants to do. Because Hero and Robinson are there to stretch the floor out, and then they miss the guy that like probes the gaps and gets into the space that that creates. When he's not there, you know, like we keep talking about guys that aren't there night to night. That's Kendrick Nunn in a in a you know in so many words. So dra- the dra- getting Dragish back night to night instead of having to worry about if Nunn's going to bring it tonight, I think is huge. And him just getting into the gaps, into the defense, into the teeth of the of the paint makes everything that Miami does go because no one on Miami stands still. It lets Bam be a playmaker, and um, you know I don't think that they were like playing poorly to start the year. I just don't think they had their horses. Yeah, and I think I was actually looking back at our list at the beginning of the year from players that we expected big jumps from. Brandon Clark's been playing really well as a player that you had mentioned. I mentioned Duncan Robinson. He's been really shooting lights out. I know he had a little bit of a rough stretch because I think teams really started to, you know, figure him a little more as the playoffs went on last year. But I think he's done a really good job of finding new ways to get open, whether it's just doing back screens and getting layups or running out in transition and taking more, you know, two-point jumpers just to keep teams honest. And he's finding ways with Bam in the pick-and-roll game to get his shots off. But if he continues to shoot like that and Dragic and Bam and all those guys stay healthy, I think they're another uh, tough out for any playoff team once again. I don't know if they're going to make the finals again just because of how the Philadelphia and – and that's have been playing, but I think they're definitely a team that no one wants to see. Yeah, and they just have a really good coach who can who can change. Like they can change what they do night to night better than anything anyone in the league. I think just depending on who they're playing against. Yeah, I think Portland's kind of that team a little bit to a lesser degree in the West. As far as I feel like a lot of teams just don't want to see. Dame in the first round. And I feel like it's been like that fast two, three years where Collins and Nurkic are out or Nurkic and someone else are out. And then right before the playoffs come, like Nurkic, McCullough, all those guys are going to be healthy again. And it's like at the beginning of the year when you had all those guys, they were clicking. So I feel like they're a team that no one wants to see either as far as the West goes, especially if they're a seven, eight in the first round. And it stays the way it is with like a Jazz or a Suns at the top and not a Lakers. So a team that hasn't like made it as far as them. Um, in the past, and it might be a challenge. Yeah, I just worry about Dame because he had to do so much in the first half of the year, and like the schedules this year is so condensed with all the back-to-backs and stuff that I just hope he is durable enough to go through it. Like, and then and then it's just the same story always that you know every other team gets to the playoffs and they're like, okay, let's lock up and get stops. And I think Portland just goes, all right, let's try to outscore this team by even more than we did in the regular season. You know, so um, Covington and Derek Jones Jr. should help that though. That was two smart guys that they brought in for defense. Yeah, and I think McCollum's going to be coming back here shortly, so I think that'll definitely um, help them as well. Let's transition to close the show today to the best part of the year, as we talked at the beginning of the show, some March Madness. Um, do you have two or three teams? And I don't want the, you know the top of the top. I don't want the Michigans, the Gonzagas, you know, those type of teams. I want some, like, you know, maybe bottom half, top 25, or just unranked teams that you're excited to watch, either based on just watching them throughout the year or just, you know, what you saw to them in the conference tournament play that you think could uh, give a bigger team a problem when tournament time comes around and we get the brackets later on today. Um, yeah, I, this year was tough for me because I, I root for Kentucky, and uh, 
they won nine games, which is I still can't believe to say out loud. Um, uh, but I mean, we we both know a lot of people who went to the same Bonaventure. It's always fun to see them, and they they seem like they're really good this year. Um, I think teams with senior guards are always, you know, a little bit more settled in the tournament. Um, I think that's Creighton. Uh, I think they have two five-year guys actually, and they have you know Dougie McDermott's dad is a really good coach. He's been there a million times. I'd be I'd worry about playing against them. Um, you know, Syracuse weasels their way in again. You know they're going to win two games. It happens every time. Um, just because I think that zone's really hard to wrap around and pre- prepare for in one day. Um, but as soon as far as I actually want to see play, um, I don't know who we got this. I mean, Bama just shot to the top of the rankings, but I love watching them play. I saw uh, a, a tweet from somebody who covers them that he does like a lot of Daryl Morey stuff. Like in practice, their their mid range numbers are only worth one. And then they have, like, a three-point line, a four-point line, and dunks are worth two. So he encourages them, to, like, in scrimmages to get out and get out and shoot a ton of threes. And I think that shows they shoot one through five. But they just had an injury, I think, that that they're, like, they're four went down, but I think he's supposed to play. But they, as far as, like, who I like watching the most play, it's them. But um, otherwise, man, I don't know. It's, I think it's so wide open. I mean, that's not even me being lazy and, like, not wanting to pick somebody. It's just it doesn't seem like there's any clear-cut favorite this year except maybe the Zags. Yeah, I think Gonzaga is definitely like the powerhouse. I mean, they haven't lost yet, but it'll be interesting once they play some more, you know, ranked teams here. Um, especially, I'm assuming they'll probably at least make the Elite Eight, but you never want to assume we saw Virginia go down a few years ago. But in Oklahoma um, State, Oklahoma State, too, if you want to watch, yeah, I was, if you want to watch the number one pick play, he's been, he's I was really just good. about to say them. I mean, they're a team that. They were kind of in the bottom 25 outside, and now they're back in Cade Cunningham. I think, like, there was some debate whether it was him, Jalen Suggs, uh, Kaminga, all these other guys. Like, no. Like, you, I think if you're an NBA GM, you would be absolutely insane not to take Cade Cunningham number one overall. Kid just absolute bucket getter, plays solid defense when he needs to, um, just gets after it and can do everything. He's, like – when crunch time comes around, he just makes all the right plays. He was awesome against Baylor the other day. Um, I know they lost in a tough one to Texas yesterday, but um, yeah, they're super fun to watch. I completely agree with you on Bama. Um, I think UConn's a very interesting team. I've been watching a lot of the Big East because of Seton Hall, but now that James Booknight's back for them, he just brings out a whole different side uh, to their team. They're really well coached too. They're very physical. Um, so I think they're going to be a team to kind of watch out for. Honestly, Rutgers, I think, could poise some problems. They played really well all year. They beat Illinois earlier in the year. Um, they just play scrappy. Um, there's kind of a team in tournament you don't want to play because you know you're going to, like, even if you win that game, the odds of you making it in the next round are slim just because they're going to bully you the entire game. Um, Illinois is another one that, I mean, they're going to be one of probably a top eight seed overall, but they're yeah, just really, like really, really fun to watch. Gonna, I feel like Illinois is going to have uh, some sanctions maybe coming up in a couple of years. I don't know where these two kids came from. But yeah. They... And Illinois coach is the guy who used to coach. Um, can you, did you know, do you know this? I'm, I'm blanking, but it's. Uh, no, I don't. It's, do you remember the, oh God, it's Stephen F. Austin. Does that sound familiar? Lumber, yeah. That actually might be right. Yeah. Yeah. They. So he knows what he's doing in the tournament. Yeah, they burst onto the scene 
Um, so they're definitely a team. Michigan will be interesting because they just lost. Uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Steels or Steaks or whatever, who's one of their starters who's out for the season now with a leg injury. Iowa? Uh, no, Michigan. Michigan. Oh, I, I used to think in yellow and I, and I blanked. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he's. It, it, I just know one of their starters. I've been watching more than I have all year, and I feel like I'm just confusing everybody. Yeah, really. Uh, tournaments are weird just because you're, like you said, you're watching so many teams, you kind of just like forget names and like who you're talking about at times. But they, yeah, they, they're obviously very good. They'll be a top eight seed, I think, regardless of them losing to Ohio State. Um, that'll be a really good game later today. Um, but yeah, other than that, there's not. Like you said, if Q's gets in, I really hate Syracuse, honestly. I've never been a fan. But like you said, once they get in, for some reason, they always win like uh, two to three games. Uh, there are some. Yeah, you're not, you're not allowed to ask Jim Beheim uh, any questions if you're not, if you didn't play basketball and you're not 6'4. You see that? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> hey, he is. It's been a rough year for a lot of, you know, the legendary coaches. I mean,. I mean, like you said, you know, Kentucky wasn't good this year. Duke obviously wasn't good. I mean, North Carolina's kind of turned it around, but still a little bit of a down year by their standards. Spart- Sparty too. I think. I think a lot of it too is like they had such uh, their their practice time to like beginning of the year was so short that if you're not bringing back a team that knows how to play together, like I think those teams who had to mesh on the fly really got hurt because you know that's when you coach out bad habits and you have just like two straight months of playing together every day and getting to know each other. I think the teams that didn't have that it really shows that they don't know they don't they still don't know where it's going to be yeah i would keep an eye on georgia tech too they had a really nice win last night versus uh florida state uh i would keep an eye on them because they're they play really well defensively and shoot pretty good from three and teams that that the teams that can get hot from three in march madness are the teams you gotta really worry about to me yeah yeah, definitely, and and that's I think that's Bama, that's Baylor, um, Gonzaga, obviously, and that's what I think killed Kentucky this year. It's like you know, you got if you're not if you're not using the three point line, you know, especially in college where it's two feet shorter, you know, the game's gonna pass you by. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that's gonna pretty much wrap it up for today's episode. We will be back in a few more weeks. We'll probably have some. We'll have a few trade or buyout moves we'll be able to talk about. We'll have a better idea of what the playoffs are looking like. Maybe we can do um, a second projection of what we think the playoffs are going to be. And then we can also talk about some just other general NBA stuff once again. But another great episode, and good luck to you and your brackets, sir. Yeah, I'm going to need it. Thank you. All right, we'll talk again in a few weeks then, Zach. All right, later, man.